Welcome to Every Man a Leader, a podcast designed for men. Being male does not make you a man. And this podcast is a conversation on what it means to step up to be the man that God's already made you to be. Every man listening to this podcast has a very specific calling and design, but we have to say yes. We have to submit and surrender to that call and surrender to our Father in heaven for us to walk fully in that call. Every man a leader. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to episode four of Every Man a Leader. This is a great show today. Uh, Truly an honor to be a part of the podcast when you have someone come into your house and deliver a word and a message to the men like this. Aeneas Williams, what, what an incredible message and show that was perfect for men. I mean, first of all, when you have a pro NFL Hall of Fame football player come into your house. We're talking about a three-time first-team All-Pro, uh, had eight Pro Bowl appearances, NFL interceptions, co-leader. Um, he's one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. That's really not what makes him great. That's actually just what gets him in the door in a lot of the places. And then he starts dropping bombs for men. What I love about this particular message is the challenge for every man that's listening to own what's going on. You don't like your marriage? You own it. You don't like your weight? You own it. You submit it to the Lord, to the foot of the cross, and you own it. What an honor it is to have this caliber of man in our house. Like we always say, grab your pen, but maybe even for this one, instead of just taking notes, you might sit back and reflect on what's being said and allow the Holy Spirit to guide your heart and hear what's being said. So sit back, relax, take it in as Aeneas Williams drops a bomb on us over the next 40 minutes. Welcome to episode four. So let me start the story off, if I could be real simple. My, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, two older brothers, and uh, my parents sent us to church growing up. Church never made sense to me. I didn't understand how Jesus Christ related to everyday life. A matter of fact, I thought church was a place you go, you sin for six days, and on the seventh day, you empty your sin bucket, and then you go do it again. Can anybody relate? Anybody want? Okay, y'all not, y'all, we all in this together. I actually don't like being up here. I actually like being on the same, same plane with you guys, because I'm not speaking at you, I'm speaking with you, because all of us are in the middle of this journey, or some of us are just starting your journey with Christ. Some, you haven't even begun yet, but all I want you to know is this. If you're still alive, you're still breathing, it's already implied by Almighty God that you still have purpose, you still have destiny, and that God is not finished with you yet. And if he was finished with you because of your poor mistake or your dumb days, which we all have had and we still have sometimes, but God is not finished with you yet. I need everybody to shout out and say, God God is not not finished finished with me me yet. Now, why do I get you to say something? Because we as men, a lot of times we don't like to talk. Ladies like to talk, men like to grunt. Ladies like to talk, men like to grunt. Well, men, Jesus Christ, our head, and I'll show you the scripture, he began to show us, not religion, but he began to show us how we were created and how we were to be successful on the earth. Jesus Christ did not set up a religion. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God coming to man because we could not do it. God coming down because we could not do it on our own. All of us, I'm going to Romans chapter 3, and I want you, I want, I'm going to read the condition all of us were in. Everybody say all of us. All. Now, at the end of the day, the title of this message is real simple. Own it. Own it. Own it. Own it. Get these words. In it. Every young man, every man, your life will change when you do what? Can't hear you. I don't care what it looks like. If your house a mess right now, do what? If you got chest of drawers, your chest has dropped inside of your drawers. 
Do what? I can't hear you. If you're not as far along as maybe you think you should be, do what? I can't hear you. What do men do? What do men do? I can't hear you. If our country is not the way we think it should be, if you are a baby boomer, if you are a millennial, whatever you are, do what? I think it was Harry Truman that said the buck stops where? Right? So in other words, what God is saying, you and I, the reason why God rescued you and I for one purpose, one purpose only, to destroy the works of the devil. So now let's go over the, desert, the devil's resume. He comes to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. We have come, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it how? More abundantly. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it how? More where? Stop complaining about what you don't like. Start changing it. It won't be the Democrats, the Republicans. It will be the local church. It will be Jesus Christ's kingdom that will influence and change our country and change the world. Because every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that what? Jesus Christ is what? Not Lord so somebody can serve him. He showed us the purpose of lordship. He said, whoever wants to be greatest among you must be your what? Servant. So once we begin to study the life of Jesus, you get a better understanding of what your life is like. So in Romans chapter 3, God tells us our condition. And if I can understand my condition, I can understand every condition of every human walking on the earth. In Romans chapter 3, I'm sorry, here we go, verse 9. It says, what then are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now listen to the resume. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Come on, got to be at least one. He said, no, not one. No, I raised, I went to school. I, I can hear you right now. I've done a great job with my family. And even before I got saved, I was doing great. Your Bible, my Bible says, no, not one was righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become, I like this word, because this word told me that God is a business being. They have all together. Come on, class. Everybody say together. Yeah. One more time. Together. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 3. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are all in their way, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, why did I read that? Because I want to own it. I want to say, even though I grew up with great parents, even though I grew up with two older brothers, even though I have a degree in accounting, I don't like numbers. I'll tell you about that a little later. I'll tell you is, in and of myself, there was nothing good. And if I did do good, it was for the wrong motives. Because how does the world work? You do good as long as somebody will do good back to you. Rarely do you do anything just to do it because you love. Can I get a witness? You're quiet on me. Am I right? 
All right, husbands, looking at me in that tone of voice, I'm going to mess with you. How come you all nicey-nicey when it's time? <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, guys. Am I right? I mean, you know what words not to say. You know how to butter up. And matter of fact, your wives get help with the dishes at times when you know it's about that time. I need everybody to shout out. I can relate. Now look at a young man that's next to me, next to you and say, you'll get there one day. Come on. <laughs> in other words, here's, here's the indictment as God is saying, and if you understand this, you'll understand yourself. There is none righteous, no, not, not one. In other words, if I had a plug, every one of us, when you were born, you were plugged into what's called the kingdom of darkness. You were born that way. We were all born under sin. I know people don't like hearing this because all of us got pretty good lives. Or a, a number of us have made good decisions in your lives. Then there's some people who you think, they've made horrific decisions. But you know what the Bible is saying? And the Pharisees didn't get it. They gave Jesus probably the most trouble. And they were the most religious. They knew the book but didn't know the author. It wasn't about knowing the book. It was about knowing the author of the book. So when the author of the book would show up, they would recognize him. But the Pharisees, because they were sad, you see, and they were Sadducees. Sadducees. The Pharisees be believe in learning the letter of the law and having an outward form of being righteous, the Sadducees were a group that were a lot like the Pharisees, except the one exception, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. They didn't believe that at the end of life that we would be raised up and we would have to give an account for what we did while we were in our bodies. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they attempted to agitate and stop the ministry of Jesus the most. Because they knew the Bible or the Torah like the back of their hands. But they didn't know the author. So I'm saying all of this to say, I grew up with great parents. My father is the first college graduate on both sides of the family. My family is one of the few minorities that have a floral license in the state of Louisiana. My father is the youngest of nine. His four brothers, the oldest died sclerosis of the liver, drug addict. The second one was shot and killed while at a bar. The third one... Leroy was sentenced to Angola for life. I was fortunate to get him out of prison a year before he died for distribution of heroin. The fourth brother, Willie, died homeless. The only siblings that were left male was my dad and his four sisters, and we lost an aunt a year ago. And my dad surmised that the reason his older brothers were not as successful maybe as he was is because he said or thought that his father was too soft on the boys. Now, I grew up with two older brothers. How many of you guys know he changed that with us? Matter of fact, my dad's motto was, if you ever have to choose between me and the police, choose the police. How many of y'all know when you hear that, you kind of straighten up? Can I get it? So I was very adept at doing well as long as my parents were around. As long as my parents didn't know I was good. My parents sent my brothers and I to church. And as I told you, I hated it. As a matter of fact, the people in church didn't seem like they liked it. And they certainly didn't like this lady picking up all of these kids from the neighborhood and bringing them to the church. This is, you're, in, you're a part of a unique church that, and when I say unique, meaning unique to the point that gets it as it relates to we're the church and we're not exclusively a club with a secret handshake. Our goal as a church is to go out and spread the good news that God has done in our own lives to somebody else. That could be your neighbor, 
That could be your co-worker. It could be your sibling. It doesn't matter. Our goal is not to have an exclusive club like the Pharisees. Our goal is to be honest with other men and women and to tell them the true story. The truth is I've been, I've been born again since my junior year in college. The truth is I am still under construction. And I have to tell people that. In some areas, I have an A. I have 100%. Can anybody relate? And then there are some other areas that, whoa, can anybody relate? Now, own it. Tell people the truth. When we sit here, guys, we're not perfect. I'm not standing up here because I did everything right last night. What we did was, if you gave your life to Christ, you've accepted his perfect uh, perfection in your stead. In other words, he says, I'm going to die for your sin and give you my righteousness. And if you'll receive it, I'll make you in perfect, righteous condition in the sight of my Father. And that's what we trust on. If matter of fact, if you're struggling to pray when you don't do so well during the week, it is an indication that your, your relationship with God may be a little out of kilter. Because when you don't do so well, love is proven when it's tested. You don't know you love somebody, and you don't know your wife loves you until it's what? Tested. Divorce comes when we misunderstand test. A lot of times, every marriage that survived may have gone through similar things that the ones that didn't. It's just your perspective of how you approach it. Now, of course, there are some that just had to be dissolved. Excuse me, dissolved. But there are others that are maybe, is, is there any honest man that don't want you to raise your hand? Maybe your first marriage didn't work out right and you thought that spouse was the issue. Then you got married again only to find out that that spouse showed up in another body. <laughs> don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, okay? In other words, what am I saying? There's what's called human problem. What's a human problem? A lot of us are selfish. Who's not selfish? Look, I deliberately would buy fries for my wife. Come on, y'all can relate to this. You ever go into the drive through line of McDonald's and ask your wife if she wanted anything? And she said, no, I'm good. And you order your fries, which is a sacred moment for a man. <laughs> and you put it in the center council only to see a little hand in your fries. Can anybody relate? Can you just got to start worshiping and thanking God in the middle of that moment. Am I right, guys? Come on. Am I right? Yeah. Why? Because I didn't know it wasn't about the fries. It was about connection. So when I begin to get an understanding from being in an environment of men who begin to help me understand how to treat a lady and begin to understand my wife, I begin to understand it wasn't even about the fries. She would consistently tell me no, but you know what I started doing? I would buy them anyway. Because worst case, if she doesn't eat them, I got two sets of fries, all right? <laughs> Come on. So at some point, you got to pass your test. You have to pass your test. Some of you all are going, the test, man, my wife, and I, I love it. I love Tracy. We've been married going on 23 years. Appreciate it. That's like dog years. You know, you know, in this day and time, like, it's like dog years if you marry now. Like, you get seven for one. Am I right, guys? Come on. Come on. That's a good shout out. If you've been married for one year, you've been married for eight. Come on. Way to go. Let's encourage our young men. All right? Marriage is good. Apple pie, Chevrolet. Welcome to America, baby. All right. Let's get back to this message. So what changed? What changed? I had two older brothers, and I had never given my life to Christ. And, and the theme to, in this 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 men's gathering 
We're talking about pursuing purpose, leading your houses. What did I learn July 1989? You see, I was following my brother Achilles, who's 18 months older than I am, and Achilles is a numbers guy. And my first big point, if you're going to have what I call a fulfilled life, notice I didn't say successful, because success is all relative. If you set a goal to lose 10 pounds and you lose it, you were what? Successful. But were you fulfilled? I submit to you that most of the things that you and I do in the dark are what's called fulfillment decoys. We're attempting to fulfill something on the inside of us that can only be fulfilled through purpose and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can try it, I mean the gamut. It could be drugs, it could be women, it could be overworking, it could be materialism, it could be working every day in church and still not be fulfilled. Those things don't fulfill you. But when you and I connect with Jesus Christ, he now quenches a thirst that nothing can fulfill. And matter of fact, the dangerous things about things like drugs and things like that, they don't fulfill you, but they always, every time you use them, they increase capacity. In other words, you want to do more to get to the original high. So I learned that, man, it's not like if you're going to legalize anything, because I saw that on the news that you guys are going to vote later on about legalizing marijuana. I submit to you we won't either legalize marijuana if we start smoking this. <laughs> Y'all don't like that. What if you start smoking this? You talking about a high? How about that? A high that has no side effects. You talking about a high that'll teach you how to be forgiven. You talking about a high that'll show you what your purpose is. You talking about a high that'll teach you that you're totally forgiven and that God is about what we're going to do now. You talking about a high that will teach you how to raise your kids. You talking about a high that'll teach you to do, what to do with the equipment you have. You talking about a high of a book that will tell you who you really are that you're capable of doing anything and that you're capable of changing anything if you just believe it. Jesus said, if you believe, how many things are possible? Can't hear you. I can't hear you. If who believes? You. I used to struggle with this. I used to didn't like my nose. I used to didn't like my ears. And then I think, I, I guess I grew out of it. I used to have a dip in my head. And all young people go through this. But I found, I found out that your value is in your difference, not your sameness. That you were endowed with certain gifts and talents that you maybe were not taught when you were growing up to identify what they were. You've heard the scripture, raise up a child in the way they should go, come on, and when they're old, they what? Okay, that's only one Hebrew rendering of the scripture. The other rendering is raise up a child in their natural bent. Pay attention to what they naturally gravitate to. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Some of you all are going to jobs you hate only to get a paycheck. And matter of fact, the, the worst day of the week for you, if you work Monday through Friday, if you're working a job just because you have to, you don't even like it, you're just doing it for the paycheck, the worst day is Sunday evening because you're getting ready to go and do the whole thing all over again. What if you had found out what your gifts were? And I almost ended up in that situation. So I'm following Achilles. Achilles, great big brother, 18 months older. He was my model. All I wanted to do, I started playing football when I was four years old. All I wanted to do, I stopped playing football after high school. I wanted to get to Southern University so I can get in an apartment with the junior who was Achilles, who was a junior, where I could get an apartment with him. That's all I wanted to do. And everything, I stopped playing football. Achilles wasn't playing football. He was involved in the Student Government, government Association. Everything that he did, I did. Everybody shout out purpose. 
One more time. One more time. Let's do a quick survey real quick. Humans are made like God. That means we instinctively do things like God whether we acknowledge him or not. How do I know? There's nothing you and I manufacture or anybody manufactures without first deciding what they wanted to do. This has a purpose. 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 Chairs have a purpose. Chairs' purpose is to hold a person's, seat, hold, hold a person's weight in a seated position. If the chairs could talk right now, the chairs that have no one, has no one seated in them would be crying out, please sit in me, please sit in me, please sit in me. Why? The chair was created to hold a person's weight in a seated position. The chairs that you are seated in right now, if they could talk, they would be shouting out, hallelujah! Why? The chair would be totally fulfilled because it's doing the reason it was made. How could you think that God would send you here and not wire you with the purpose and with gifts and talents that are unique to you, that if you will get familiar with them, that you would live a life with passion. You can't wait to wake up in the morning. I communicate with you out of love, out of passion, because I am no different from you at all. I am a man like you. Matter of fact, anytime the disciples, if somebody, because God had used them to do miracles, if somebody tried to bow down to the disciples, they would always tell them, get up. For I'm a man just like you, but not Jesus. Anytime they bowed down to Jesus, he never told them to get up because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is what? Lord. Not Lord with our mouth, but you start reading his word and you get filled with his spirit and you start seeing he's Lord because what he says works. It works. It works. When Jesus talked, he wasn't like us just talking off the cuff. Everything he said was purposeful. For example, a house. If I'm the devil and I want to destroy a house, what am I going to do? We're called in this country the United. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. It is the reason this country has become, God ordained, one of the most powerful countries in the world. Why? Early founding fathers, warts and flaws and all, not perfect because you're still dealing with humans. They were able to get states to all work together in unison, called the United States. So if I am the enemy and I'm real and I want to divide a country or a house, I'll just cause humans to do the ex exact opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, a house divided cannot what? Cannot, will not, can't do it, can't win with them. Mike Singletary, San Francisco 49ers, all right? 40 and over, 40 and over, all right? <laughs> a house divided cannot stand. Now, what's, what's the trick with this? If, if you're dealing with division in a country, in a house, maybe with your children, the relationship cannot stand. What Jesus is saying, in other words, if you don't solve this, it, eventually this thing, is, it, it'll dissolve. Because Jesus, the, what I love about Jesus, he tells me what the root cause is. If you go to a doctor and you're sneezing, coughing, and you have a high fever, and that doctor listens to you, you tell him what your symptoms are. And if that doctor describes some medicine to take your coughing away, your fever away, and that's it, I tell you that's a poor doctor. What I want to know, doctor is I'm telling you the conditions 
So you can now, through your profession and through your experience, tell me what's causing the conditions and prescribe something to me to do what? To do what? Take way of what's causing these symptoms. In our country, it's not race, class, it's division that shows up in race, that shows up in class, that shows up in social economic injustice. But the root cause of it is what? Division. That's the root cause. The root cause. How you keep people divided? Keep them from communicating. Guaranteed. If your house going through a struggle right now, you and your wife not communicating. When you're in a meeting like this, this is not like school. School, a professor stand up here and make sure they give you the information. When you're inspired and the Holy Spirit is in this room, in you and in us and in this room, the Spirit of God will say something through the speaker that communicates to you something that you need, almost like tailor-made. You'll start thinking that person's been hanging out with you. Why? Because the church is the hope of the world. It's supposed to be a group of people that God sends into a community that meets, and this is how the Romans did it, and this is one of the reasons Jesus showed up on the scene during the height of the Roman Empire. Because the Romans were the first to, co to use colonization to conquer the world. Whereas before, a lot of nations would just go in, burn it, destroy it, and take it over. Not the Romans. The Romans would go in, conquer territory, and then send about 300 Roman citizens that were native-born Roman citizens, send them into that conquered territory, and then would allow the natives of that territory to elect what we call a prime minister. That prime minister was native born of the territory that Roman had conquered. Roman would send 300 citizens, and then Roman, Rome would send a governor who was, had the heart of the king, and that governor would oversee that territory. Those 300 citizens, the church, and that governor over that prime minister, their goal was to make that territory look like what? Rome. The church was always practical. It was always practical. So the church, you come and you want to hear, okay, what is a husband? What is purpose? Who is God? How do I relate to this God? So as you get a better understanding of who you are, guess what you start doing? You start making better decisions. So right now, if you understand that the devil works through division, guess what we have to fight for? Unity. So now, instead of getting upset at you, I got to lean in because I got to have a conversation because maybe we came from different areas. That now requires that you and I talk to each other so we can see that we all have common interests. Because I got, I, I got a question for you. If you fall out on this stage and you have a heart attack, and we call 911, and when they come rushing down here, and you're in the middle, you're almost dead. I don't care what ethnicity you are. When they come rushing in here, I don't think any of you are going to sit up to find out what color they are. Am I right? If you are, you're a fool, all right? I don't like using that word. That's kind of strong. If you are, you're a double fool. All right, I don't really like using that either. All right. In other words, what we need, we just want some what? Help. And don't we all, whoever's coming, we want them to have expertise? Don't we want them to know what they're doing? Does it really matter? What ethnicity? Am I right? Am I right, guys? Yeah. So what would the enemy do? Try to get us fixated on what I call foolishness. That's the great thing about sports. We don't get into all of that because we have a common goal. Anytime you have a common goal, that's where they told me you guys may enter into a capital campaign. See, there's a common vision here. And when everybody speaks the same thing, when you're unified, you'll be shocked how God brings the resources and begins to increase you. Why? Because you're all speaking the same thing. If the church is one, your house will be one. If your house is one, enough houses in the community, guess what the community will be? One. 
If enough communities are one, then cities will be what? One. If enough cities are one, then the states will eventually be. And if enough states are one, guess what the country will eventually be? Can't hear you. Yeah. It's not magical. It's not a mystery. My brother and I went to school year round and summer school and all. My brother Achilles graduated with his accounting degree in three and a half years. I was on pace to graduate in three. Now, I have an accounting degree. I don't even like numbers. It's crazy. Now, watch my accountants, but I don't like numbers. But you know the interesting thing, because my dad was a laboratory supervisor with Dow Chemical, and my mom ran the floors, they taught us hard work. Do you know if I would become an accountant, I would have been very good at it. Y'all know why? I know the value of hard work. I know how to work hard. But I can guarantee you this, I would have been miserable. I'd have made six figures and been hell on earth trying to stay married and mad at everybody. Mad at the dog, the cat, and my in-laws and outlaws. Why? Because I'm getting up every day trying to go out and do something I hate because I'm trying to take care of my family. Now, that's the disconnect between baby boomers and millennials. Many times, baby boomers don't understand millennials. And unless you study it, you'll get disgusted with millennials because millennials not trying to keep a job for 30 years. <laughs> Come on, give a shout out to all my millennials. Am I right? Come on, knock, 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 knock. Millennials, I, you can preach all you want. I know you're going to try to work against it. Millennials will not, they, they're not into that. Just study it out, all right? One of the reasons millennials are not into it, they were the first generation, at least for my generation, they were the first to go through 2007, which was a major economic earthquake in the United States. Am I right? And really in the world. And what, what did millennials see growing up? They saw parents losing jobs. They saw houses being lost. They saw everything we were told, do the right thing, get a good job. The millennials saw what? All that go to hell in a handbasket. And people's lives changed like this. Some of you all were in Phoenix when the housing market totally collapsed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So guess what? What has the most potent impact on you is an experience. So what millennials want and should be guided toward is finding what their purpose is. I do it all the time when I'm with young people. What's your purpose? Okay, you got your degree, but what's your gifting? What do you love doing? You see, guys, I realized when I wasn't playing football, my brother called me back after he graduated. He said, little brother, slow down. You'll be working the rest of your life. It was around that time I started trying to figure out who in the world is Aeneas. I told you, I didn't like my, my, my nose, my nose, my ears, and I didn't like the slope in my head. I didn't even like my name. And you wouldn't either if people mistakenly call you anus all the time. <laughs> now, I wasn't expecting y'all to laugh that hard at that one, all right? <laughs> so growing up, even though I never made a connection with Christ, I always wanted to know, how does God speak to people? I'd have people standing next to me in church, and they say, God spoke to them, I'm standing next to them, I ain't hear nothing. So I'm wondering, anybody ever wonder that, right? I submit to you guys. You guys see that? So this, this is my Hall of Famer. If you had told me my freshman, sophomore year, I had the ability to be one of the best cornerbacks, Pastor Preston just said it, I had the ability to be one of the best cornerbacks to ever play in the NFL. I would have thought you were crazy. You know why? I didn't walk on until my junior year in college, a week before the season started. Well, Nils, why did you walk on? I figured out God talks. Just nobody ever taught us this. This stuff's not complicated. He changed my heart. My freshman, sophomore year, I had people that would ask me, not because I was some great football player, but they knew I played in high school. And I had a couple of high school teammates who were older that was on Southern's team. And every now and then, a guy named Michael Lindsay would ask me, but it never was in my heart. But a week before the season started, see, in, in Phoenix, you don't get this like you get in some of the southern places in the Midwest. You get the four seasons. Anybody grew up where you had the four seasons and when it, when it came down like September? Come on, you feeling me? Yeah. And that temperature dropped? 
And you were like, it's football season. Am I right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's what hit me. It was like this nostalgia. It was like all of a sudden in my heart, and I saw Michael Lindsay. And this is what I want to share with you. And maybe you're far away from God. I don't know. This brings a little tears. This brings tears to my eyes because God is always talking. You see, Michael saw me again. He asked me that same question. And when Michael asked me that same question, I told Michael, I said, I'm going to walk on. Now, he had been asking me this for two years, so he didn't take me serious. I walked on. Now, they had already been practicing three a days. They were getting ready to have their first game. Who's this crazy guy that goes try to walk on a team? Matter of fact, my boys thought I was doing it to get the women. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody. I went and asked the coach to walk on. And let me share something with you. Your destiny is tied into a God destiny. What you want to do is follow what he puts in your heart and take steps toward it. And he'll confirm it along the way. So when my heart changed, all I did was go ask the coach, can I walk on? And just so happened, everybody say, just so happened. happened. The position I was going out for, the coach was trying to get rid of the guy. I don't know what the guy did. It's the craziest thing in the world. I don't know what this man did to that coach. That coach said, I don't know. I don't care what I got to do. I got to get you out of here. And I just so happened to be the guy. Everybody say, just so happened. Not so happy. It's never just so happened. You're purposely, you're purposely in position, in a place, in a time, for a reason. And even your poor decisions, God has promised, if you love him, and loving me, just hang on. He's going to cause even those to work out for your good. If you just won't give up. If you won't give up. In the Living Bible, in Romans around chapter 1 and 2, it says, God, this blew my mind. In a, in a message Bible, it says, God is not phased by your rejection. Get this. Now, if somebody rejects you, you're trying to be nice to them and things like that. Some of us, we're not going to keep trying to be nice. The Bible says, God is not offended by our rejection. Matter of fact, he will pursue you more. I guess he knows why we rejected him. I figure God knows is no way if you ever come in contact with my love will you ever reject it. He must know that. And guys, I walked on the team, ended up starting by the fifth game. Around that same summer, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I started. I said, God, if you're real, show me how you relate to everyday life. And he began to show me a life of purpose. And they began to understand the purpose for things. Because I, f- I figured if I f- understand the reason for things, if it's good, I can keep it going. If it's bad, I can stop it. That's why the title is on it. You see, through a relationship with Christ, God will eventually give you the solution to whatever problem you're dealing with. And then through the help of the Holy Spirit, if you'll listen to him, guess what will happen? Eventually, you will cause the problem to eradicate. You'll, you'll get rid of the problem. So I put this ring on, and with this ring, I found out the power of belief. I want to tell you a story with me and Mr. Jerry Jones, for all the Cowboy fans. And I'm closing, by the way. And I'm saying I'm closing because they tell me, 85% of your audience will re-engage when you say you're closing. <laughs> so I'm closing, okay? So I played one year, ended up starting by the fifth game. That's the first year. Second year, I graduated, got my degree in accounting, and I played a third year while in graduate school. After the second year, I made all conference and led the conference in interceptions, but still wasn't sure that I could even play in the NFL. So I heard you, I, I encourage you to shout out earlier Jesus said, if you'll believe, all things are possible. What? If you believe. You're currently experiencing right now what you believe. You're currently experiencing right now what you believe. Now, here's the thing about humanity. You're created 
to act on what you believe is true. I'm going to say it one more time. You will create it, human beings will create it to act on or behave based on the things we think are true. And my dad makes this statement. He says, son, it's not what people don't know that hurt them. It's what they do know that's not true. So there are a lot of false beliefs you and I had prior to getting saved. I thought prior to giving my life to Christ, I had to do a bunch of good stuff to get right with God. And then I found out the truth that there was no good thing I could do except the good thing of receiving Jesus Christ and his penalty. That was the work that I needed to do. So now going this football after the second year, my coach who let me walk on, he said, Aeneas Williams is a great, a good player. He said, I don't ever think he'll go pro because at best he runs a 4 6 40. I need everybody to shout out all things. Come on, all things are possible if I believe. One more time. All things are possible if I believe. So that coach put that on the front page of the sports section, Times Speaking Unions in New Orleans after we had just upset Grandma State University in the Bayou Classic. Here's when I found the difference between facts and truth. Facts and truth. Facts and truth. Facts and truth. The facts are you may go to the doctor, the doctor give you a bad report. The truth is Jesus will heal you. All right. The facts may be you used to be a certain way prior to coming to Christ. The truth is God will take you from what you were and make you a new creature. Got it? So in other words, you got to know the difference between facts and the difference between the truth. Because that coach said in the paper, he says, Aeneas Weeds may never go pro because at best he runs a 4.640. And the facts were, I ran a 4.640. I did. I wasn't that fast. I did a pole vault in high school. I was a distance guy. I was so slow, my coach would tell me, just go run. <laughs> so all my life, I, 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 was, I was thinking, and you've heard it before, and I want to dispel it, either you're born with speed or you don't have it. Has anybody ever heard that? Yeah, I used to believe that. When I read that in the paper, if you will take what God shows you, and instead of getting angry and try to build your life to prove somebody wrong, if you would reach out for a mentor, if you reach out for somebody else to help you to do maybe what that person said you can't. So I went to a guy named Brian Thomas, who was my teammate. Brian was like our Usain Bolt, 6'3", run a 4-140. He was the fastest guy on the track team, fastest guy on the football team. He was a receiver. I lined up 10 yards off of him. He run by me. I couldn't cover Brian. When I read that in the paper from that coach, didn't get mad at him because you don't ever want to build your life to prove people wrong. If you do, you're going to always need people to just prove you so you can keep your motive going. You don't want to, you want to motivate your life based on your potential and that there's still potential in you. I went to Brian and I said, Brian, can you help me get faster? Brian looked at me like I'm looking at you, sir. He says, Aeneas, you can run a 4-3-40. He said it so convincingly, I believed him. And I want to tell you, man, if you have a relationship with Christ, are you coaching? Are you somebody's parent? You'll be shocked how much you can speak belief into another human being. Brian took a lifetime of wrong belief about how slow I was and changed my belief. Why? He had credibility. And he said it so convincingly, I believed him. Guys, that's called transference, transference of belief. I said, how do I do it, Brian? So this was the fall season. We had just finished up. He says, Aeneas, and now I was going to play one more year, January and February while in graduate school. I said, Brian, what do I do? This is the power of mentorship. He said, Nias, walk on the track team in January. Get next to me and do everything I do. Now, why do you need mentors, credible, successful others who've done well what you're trying to do? 
Because a mentor, Morris Carton taught. I got next to Brian, did what he said. It hurt me like I don't know what, man. One day I was lying on the ground after the workout on the track team. I had never worked like this. I was lying on the ground thinking I'm going to die. My, my legs talking to me said, Aeneas, you can keep this foolishness up, but we're finished. That's what my legs told me, okay? Brian is walking like he hadn't worked out. I'm saying, what manner of man is this? <laughs> I stayed with it. I didn't know my teammates were watching me. They thought I was crazy because they saw how slow I was. I just stayed with it. You remember I told you earlier, if you would just stay with it, with your relationship with Christ? You remember I said that? If you just stay with it, don't give up. If you just don't give up, if you just won't quit, if you're just hanging around here, sometimes you, you have a bad day, just get in this environment and just hang around sometime. Sometimes you don't even have to serve. You should serve, but if you don't, if you're just having a bad day, just sit in that environment and get around some guys and watch what happens to you. Do you know by April, this was January, by April we had pro day. I clocked a 42840. I was the second rated cornerback in the country behind Todd Light out of Notre Dame. That fall, I broke the national record with 11 interceptions. Why do I, I'm, I weep? Because that's called potential. And that's what's in this room. That's why the enemy fights you tooth and nail. If they're going to be the problem solved in our country, guess where it's seated in? Right here. Right here. Because your goal was never to die full. It was to die empty. And God has an investment in each and every one of us. And he's looking to help you, put a spirit in you to help you do what? Reach your potential so you can influence your generation. When I did my Hall of Fame speech, and they said it in this, this earlier piece, there's only two of us from our draft, 1991. The second one just went in. It's Brett Favre. He and I played in a, a senior bowl together. We're both from down south. I don't think there'll be any more from our draft, but that's the NFL. There's only less than 300 of us players that are alive that are in the Hall of Fame. So that's kind of exclusive club. You know what I kind of like about God? He don't really deal well with exclusivity. He's like an inclusion type being. And he's going to give every one of us an opportunity to do what? To get in the Hall of Fate. Where you put your trust in him and then you walk this thing out. And are you going to have some great days when you just got it going? Yes, you will. Are you going to have some days when you're just like, am I even saved at all? Yes. But you have a brother or somebody around you say, hey, man, you're no different from me. We're not getting out of here. Let me tell you something, millennials, baby boomers. I'm 48, so I don't know what they call us. I don't, the in-between. I don't know what they call us, all right? <laughs> but whatever we are, millennials, I promise you this, the best of my ability and the best of any baby boomer or my generation I can talk to. They say, who bears the greatest responsibility in a relay exchange? I think it was the last Olympics. Both our men and women were favored to win the four by one. Both of them dropped the baton. So I started doing research to find out who bears the greatest responsibility for exchange, the one receiving or the one handed off. And I found out, because I used to think the one receiving found out wasn't true. It's the one handing off. They're not to let the baton go until they know it's safely in the hand of the receiver. I've commissioned my life to doing whatever and all with every person here that are willing to do what? Do your part and solve whatever issues we're dealing with worldwide and in this country and in this nation and in this city to do what? So we can hold a baton and pass.
pass it on. And I passed on some of the stuff that we dealt with. But we worked to change it. So the millennials and the other generations could do what? Run with it. Because we solved the problems that God created us to solve in our generation. I am so glad to be alive Like I said at the beginning of the podcast and the show here, I love this idea of owning where we are at. You know, as men, we can make excuses. We like to make excuses. We we give ourselves the excuse to not show up and not do something. We, We have excuses all over the place. But as Christian men, men who are mentally tough, men who follow Jesus, men who are surrendered, we don't get the luxury of passing the baton or blaming somebody else for where we're not measuring up. If you're a man and you're not where you want to be, it's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault except yours. It's nobody's fault except mine. We continue to show up and do the work. We continue to allow God to open things up in our hearts, knowing that we need to lay them down and surrender and repent from those things and just simply own. That's that's repentance. That's really what he was saying throughout the, the entire message. It's really simple, guys. It's repentance. It's for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. We are grateful that you're stopping by to spend this time to allow God to speak to your heart to become the man that you know you can be. We'll see you on the next episode.